Hi guys, my name is Tait from Global Chat Setters. Welcome to another podcast uh, where we discuss all travel tips, travel-related issues, as well as um, give you advices on traveling and DIY travel. In this podcast, we're going to be discussing um, aspects relating to residency uh, in Dubai and the various visa options that are available to uh, potential um, expats who uh, wish to relocate to Dubai um, and start up, whether it's a business or whether it's uh, working remotely. Um, there are various um, options available to you. Remember, um, the UAE um, and Dubai uh, offers uh, multiple uh, visas uh, which range from a single year to up to 10 year, which is a golden visa. And uh, to meet the criterias for each requirement, um, the threshold for each specific visa is sometimes uh, high. There are a lot of supporting documents that are required. There are a lot of monetary thresholds that need to be met. And of course, all visas are granted uh, subject to, you know, uh, approval. And um, even once application fees are paid uh, to start the application process, there's no guarantee that uh, the visa will be granted. So you just need to bear that in mind when starting your application that um, the fees are, uh, won't be refundable. And uh, whatever risk you take regarding the issuing of the visa is entirely up to you. So you need to have, uh, you need to make sure that you study each uh, of the requirements and ensure that you meet the eligibility criteria before you proceed with the application itself. To give you an overview of the different types of visas, um, the UAE, especially Dubai, has uh, often changed um, or amends its uh, visa regime quite often. So um, it's always good to check on the websites. You can see on the federal um, citizen citizenship website, uh, the ICP, um, you can just go in Google and uh, type in the different uh, visas which you might want to consider such as maybe for instance the golden visa or the investor visa or a freelance visa and from there you can do your homework and study and see uh, how to go about doing it what the application process is what the fees are etc and then make sure you have all your your documents ready so that you know you can streamline the process um, for this podcast, we're just going to uh, highlight the different uh, visas which we feel are of importance. And um, just so that you know, each visa requires a certain, uh, again, threshold that needs to be met. And you can study the individual visa yourself if you feel that's something which uh, would work for you. So... The first type of visa which uh, one would find or one would get is the employment visa. And that's when you as an expert uh, start uh, to work 
in Dubai. Uh, obviously, um, this is part of a sponsored visa. So where you uh, would have applied for job position and you would got your employment contract, uh, then you would be eligible for an employment visa. And with an employment visa, you as the employee or the employed um, can also sponsor your family if you're earning uh, over the um, minimum threshold, I think it's about 4,000 AED. Um, yeah, then you can also uh, sponsor your family. So th that's the employment visa. The second visa, which is of importance, is um, the freelance visa. A freelance visa is offered uh, to uh, various um, freelance uh, uh, experts who are in the field of culture, who are in the field of um, media, who are in the field of, um, you know, uh, social engagement on Instagram, um, in the field of arts, in the field of music. These freelancers obviously um, would want to um, start up a, a potential business or continue their art or continue their um, uh, or whatever it is they're doing. And the freelance visa is offered to them. I know the freelance visa has changed, I think, from September to around five years. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the fee for freelance visa is around 7,500 dirhams. And then you still need to do the freelance um, license. So it's always good when you're starting or when you're doing like a company or freelance visa to get in touch with the correct uh, agency. Uh, for freelance visas, um, you can Google on the website called Go Freelance, and um, that will give you an idea of what the requirements are uh, for a freelance visa. The next uh, visa, which is of importance, is the real estate visa. Obviously, the real estate visa is aimed at people who are investing um, in terms of uh, property. And uh, to be eligible for the visa, the person or the potential investor must be able to invest at least uh, 1 million AED, which is about 4.5 million rand. And yeah, with that... Um, you obviously you'll be buying uh, real estate in Dubai, uh, and then you'll get a residence um, permit or residence visa, uh, and obviously you can um, seek more information from the various companies who you are, uh, the various estate agents who you are purchasing or developers who you will be purchasing the unit from, and they will be able to guide you on the requirements regarding the investor uh, visa uh, for real estate investment. Then um, you do have an investor visa, which is not real estate, but it's a monetary um, sort of investment in a, whether you do it in uh, by way of purchasing shares in an existing uh, company, or if you wish to start up your own company, and 
I think the threshold for that is around 70,000 dirhams plus. Uh, So that's an investor visa in terms of monetary spending. And uh, whether you're starting up a business of your own or you're investing in an existing business, um, that uh, visa is available to you, provided you put the capital money down. uh, And um, with that, you'll be able to get the visa, uh, but it will be an investor visa for you having invested in this company or startup company or your own company. Um, Whether you want to start up your own company or you want to uh, invest in an existing company, the choice is yours. Uh, A good website to look at is called DoBizzle. That would give you all the companies or people who are selling companies. If you want to buy a company um, that's already registered, you can check that out. Alternatively, you can do you can start up your own company. There are various um, agencies that do offer the service of assisting you with starting up a company, um, and the price varies depending on um, how many directors you have, how many visas you need, how many employees you'll have. Uh, usually, they grant employment visas for about three years and. Um, yeah, so depending on what your personal requirements are, whether you want a freelance uh, company, whether you want a free zone company, uh, it all depends what kind of company you want to start up, what your um, uh, requirements for the company would be. Uh, they'd advise you on what needs to be done with regards to a, MO, um, a memorandum of incorporation or uh, whatever documents you need, and uh, they'll also advise you regarding um, all the requirements. So it's best that you get in touch with an expert in the field who does uh, uh, be it free zones or starting up companies. Um, I don't have any uh, specific person that I can refer you to or specific agency, but I'm sure if you Google and check the references, make sure you see um, whether the company has good reviews, etc. Then you know you can use them to, to start up your, your business. So that's uh, the visa through investorship by monetary investment. And then the other visa which we spoke about earlier is the remote uh, visa. A remote work visa is a visa which is given to um, employees or um, company owners who have businesses abroad and wish to continue, um, you know, working remotely here in the UAE or in Dubai and um, enjoy the benefits of a, um, you know, uh, of the... um, remote working opportunities here in Dubai with the networking and um, all of those things. So the remote working visa um, allows you to um, acquire, I think, a one-year visa, provided that you show um, employment or you show um, business ownership and uh, meet the requirements, which is 
I think if I'm not mistaken, $5,000 per month. And yeah, that would give you access to a work visa. Uh, not a work visa, sorry, a remote working visa. That means you can only continue your work from your home country here in Dubai, but enjoy the benefits of, um, you know, living in Dubai. And yeah, the salary needs to be at least $5,000 per month. Or if you're the owner, you need to show um, your ownership and your income is $5,000 per month. Then the next visa available to you is a student visa. Obviously, these apply to students who are 18 years and older and have decided to enroll in a college or university or a place of education here in Dubai. Um, and this is a sort of residence visa by uh, through studying. And it would give you uh, an opportunity to uh, sponsor your parents as well. But if I'm not mistaken, this only applies to male students. Um, but yeah, you can Google that to see if that uh, has changed recently. The student visa obviously is valid for one year and um, it's renewable uh, yearly, provided you submit certain documents and you know your uh, progress report or your um, academic transcripts or whatever it is that they require. And um, there are certain um, students who can be eligible for a Golan visa, uh, but I think that a five-year one, if you show that you are um, like, you know, uh, if you're an exceptional student or you've uh, attained um, um, a good academic uh, report from be it uh, one of the uh, recognized schools or universities around the world, then you can apply for a golden visa for at least five years. But uh, you need to have like exceptional academic um, uh, record. Speaking of golden visa... Um, you do get golden, uh, the golden visa requirement is quite high. However, um, UAE and Dubai have uh, sort of expounded uh, on the need to want more people to apply for the golden visas, but have also um, not reduced uh, drastically the requirements for eligibility. So there are various golden visas, um, the most notable being the 10-year um, visa and um, the 5-year visas. So the, there are several options for the 10-year visa, including investment, including through residency. And um, one noticeable one of recent is um, where certain uh, people who are of uh, in the field of science, who are in the field of education, who are in the field of medicine, and um, who are in the field of arts and culture, and who are deemed to be exceptional talent. Now, that's obviously a requirement which uh, needs to be met 
and which needs to be motivated when um, applying for the golden visa, um, whether you're a professor or whether you're a doctor or whether you're a scientist or whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're a skilled um, arts and uh, uh, a skilled person in the fields of arts and culture, um, you can apply. If I'm not mistaken, um, for instance, if you're applying as as a as a person who's skilled, uh, uh, a skilled person in the field of arts and culture, you need to get a letter of recommendation from the Ministry of Arts and Culture here in Dubai, um, and with that you need to submit your uh, that document with your application. So each sort of uh, subfield. Uh, would require you to do research. Would require you to take further steps before you just uh, before you go on on the on the website and just apply, because you need to make sure you have all your documents in order. Um, we have or we know friends of ours who have applied um, for the ten uh, year golden visa, and though it's a difficult task to complete and meet all the requirements, um, you do get it. But like we said, you need to be an exceptional talent in the eyes of uh, Dubai uh, to be able to be granted the um, Golden Visa. So, yeah, that's with regards to Golden Visa and the different subcategories available uh, under it. And um, the last one, which obviously um, I can't tell you much about, but this is a retirement visa. For people who are retired, um, I think the age is around plus fifty-five, somewhere around there. So um, you get a five-year visa as a retiree, and um, obviously this visa is renewable. But uh, the criteria or the threshold is quite high. You need to um, be able to invest in property. Uh, worth at least two million AED, um, which is what close to nine and a half million rand, uh, or have a fine. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if they both work in sync. Uh, whether you need to invest two million and uh, have savings of one million, I'm not sure. Uh, or I think you need to have an active income of at least hundred thousand per month. Uh, rain, uh, if you can show that, but if that's something that you uh, might want to consider, you can always look into it. If you meet the monetary sh- uh, threshold of uh, 20,000 AD per month or close to 100,000 rain, then I'm sure you can um, apply for the uh, retirement uh, visa. So, yeah, those are the require. those are the other various visa options available. Like we said, um, they change all the time. Um, sometimes the requirements soften a bit, but uh, in most instances, you'll be able to um, Google or you'll be able to see um, what's required, what needs to be done, do your homework. Um, there are documents that need to be uh, done or uh, that you need to have before you arrive in Dubai, for instance, um, if you intend sponsoring your family, then um, 
say hypothetically you're you're married uh, in South Africa, you have three kids, and you as the um, the husband or the father have applied for a work visa. Generally, the company's HR will will assist you insofar as you know getting you up and running. I don't know if they go so far as assisting you with regards to your sponsorship of your family, but um, you just need to know that when you do sponsor your family, um, your wife, your kids, or vice versa, your husband, your kids, um, you need to have certain documents um, with you. The most important being the marriage certificate and the birth certificates of the kids. Now, when you have documents like that in your possession, remember, these are legal documents or um, documents which require um, you to uh, have them apostilled. So the process of getting documents apostilled uh, before you leave South Africa, you can do it while you're abroad, but it's just it, it would be too costly. So rather do it before you leave home. You need to go to uh, a notary um, in your immediate vicinity or someone you you um, comfortable with. Uh, you need to submit them your documents. They'll charge you a fee to have the documents uh, notarized. And then from there, they'll begin the process to have it apostilled. What happens is they, um, the notary would uh, take your documents to court, and um, the documents will get will they can uh, will then get apostilled. From there, you you take the documents to uh, Durko, if I'm not mistaken. There's a fee that needs to be paid. Uh, Durko would um, stamp the documents. From there, you take the documents to the embassy that uh, uh, you go in uh, or the country embassy of where you go in. So in this instance, you'll go to the UAE embassy in South Africa. Again, they'll have to stamp it. You have to pay a fee. And once you have those uh, three things done, that's the apostille, the um, stamp from Durko and the stamp from UAE, you bring the documents over to UAE. And then you get uh, uh, MOFA, which is the Ministry of Foreign Affairs here in UAE, to apostille it, uh, to to stamp it as well. And then you need to get services of a, um, a translation or a translator services to translate the documents from English to Arabic. And yeah, then once you have all those, then you can uh, use it to in support of your application for sponsorship. But remember, that's a process. It's costly. Um, you need to uh, set money aside for that. If you sponsor in your family, it costed us at least 10000 or around 10000 plus to get the documents from uh, being notarized to having been apostilled to stamping, to paying the fees, to bringing it here, to getting MOFA to stamp it. Uh, MOFA charged 150 dirhams per document. Um, and then, yeah, the translation services were, again, 120 
dirhams per document. And yeah, these are all fees that you need to bear in mind when you start in uh, or when you continue in a visa uh, application, especially when you're sponsored in. Um, the other fees which you need to pay if it's not cost to company, um, probably if you're doing the freelance visa, you're doing the remote work visa, um, or you're doing the retirement visa. When you apply for your visa, you will be required to do what is called medicals. Um, you need to pay for that. There's two forms. There's either normal one or fast track. Um, there's uh, specific centers where you can go and get those medicals done, but you need to make appointments prior. And um, once you got your uh, date for medicals, you have to go to the center, which is usually a government center, and um, you'll do your medicals there. Uh, and after you do your medicals, you'll need to apply for a date for your biometrics, which is your fingerprints to get your Emirates ID. Um, that's also a process. You need to uh, get a, a date as soon as possible, but most of the centers are full. So you have to give it at least three and a half to four weeks uh, before you get a date. And when you get your date, um, the requirement of the lawyer in Dubai is that you need to do a mandatory PCR at least 48 hours before your your date because you won't be able to enter the government building for fingerprint enrollment unless you have your a PCR negative with you. And um, yeah, so that's something you need to be in mind. And when you do um, go, obviously, uh, depending which center you go to, um, it's a quick process. It's uh, easy, but um, it's just uh, part of the procedure. Like you can't do one without doing the other. And again, applying for the Emirates ID uh, costs money as well. Um, so I think between the Emirates ID and uh, getting your medicals, uh, you're looking at at least two and a half thousand dirhams. Um, yeah, somewhere around there uh, for the entire. Well, it's I think it's a thousand. It's close to two thousand or just under two thousand for uh, your medicals and your um, Emirates ID application. And yeah, so those are all fees that you need to bear in mind. Uh, when starting the process, because it's not just the application fee that you pay, it's all these fees that uh, do pop up and need to be paid when um, to finalize the process in its entirety. And yeah, once you get your Emirates ID, then you you get all the uh, you get to share in all the um, offerings which are available. Uh, here in Dubai, such as uh, housing, schooling, um, medical, all that do uh, come with your Emirates ID. But again, each one of them requires you to have certain um, conditions. And one thing to remember, I think if it's uh, a requirement by certain of the visas, such as the freelance visa, the work uh, remote working visa, I'm not sure if it's with regards to the golden visas as well, 
that you need to have um, a valid uh, insurance or health cover to cover you during the process. So like for us, what happened was um, we needed to come through to Dubai to get our residence stamped. So what happens is uh, obviously Dubai has changed it since last month where they no more stamp the residence uh, or the passports. But the step that we had to do prior to um, getting your Emirates ID was after you did your medicals, you'd have to go and stamp your passport with the residence sticker. And that obviously was another fee. But um, I think uh, Dubai has uh, uh, made, uh, they've changed that. So you no longer need to stamp your passports. The Emirates ID, I think, is sufficient um, for the purposes of, you know, uh, recognizing you uh, as a resident. So, yeah. Um, but the, one thing to remember is you need to do all these things. Um, and what I was saying was uh, from the time we our visa got approved, we were required to come or to enter Dubai within two months to uh, get the visa stamped or the residence stamped. And uh, mentally, we were okay with the idea of, you know, going to Dubai to get it stamped. But the thought or the eventuality of needing to leave within such a short time, I think sprung up on us quite uh, uh, hard. And uh, while we were celebrating the idea of having got a residence uh, or having got approved for a visa in Dubai, we were now under pressure because we needed to land in Dubai within two months from the date our visa application got approved because they gave us a e-visa for two months. And what the e-visa we needed to get into Dubai as soon as possible. And that e-visa only lasted for two months. So we did what we needed to do and um, got whatever uh, documents, like I said, the notary stuff sorted out as soon as possible. And yeah, once you uh, land in Dubai, then you get uh, a two months extension to continue your your process of getting your Emirates ID, uh, etc. So again, you're under time constraints there to make sure you get all the documents done, um, you know, as soon as possible. So the quicker you pay the fees, the quicker you'll be able to do the next step, such as getting your uh, medicals, getting your biometrics, and, uh, you know, uh, making sure that's all done uh, properly. So... Yeah, it's just an idea that uh, when you do get approved, it's not uh, to say that, yeah, you can come when you want to. They might require you to come immediately. They might require you to come within two months. It all depends what uh, are the requirements for your visa. And you need to start the process. We came when it was in Ramadan. It was a difficult transition for us because... Um, not only was it uh, like longer days and uh, hot 
it was the first time we were in Dubai, not knowing how to get around, not knowing what to do. But uh, as things became easier as the days went by, we managed to adapt. Um, and yeah, that made the transition easier, but still to, you know, go into the government offices in Ramadan was a bit difficult because the times were different. They were working for uh, limited uh, for limited hours during the day. And um, we sort of uh, didn't put pressure on ourselves to get uh, things done. But eventually we, we managed to get things done. Uh, so, yeah, that's just one thing to bear in mind. Obviously, now out of Ramadan, uh, the office hours are longer. Um, the, the offices, I think, close at around 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. Some close at 10 so it just depends which office you go to and uh, what needs to be done. Uh, you can get things done during the day and, and at night. So that's not a problem. But yeah, overall, um, the application process uh, is done uh, via email, online. Your submitting of your documents is done online. Um, whether it's photographs or uh, documents, please make sure that when they ask for a, set, a specific dimension on the photograph that you need to submit that dimension. Don't submit anyone that you feel is fine because uh, we did do this where we submitted a normal photograph um, where we went to Kodak and they gave us a normal one um, and it wasn't correct. We needed to get a digital uh, version of a specific dimension and yeah that made us go up and down a few times so do it right at the first time get the document submitted if they want a color passport don't take a picture with a cell phone please do yourself a favor make sure that when you do go for your photographs or for your passport photos do everything on one day Scan your marriage certificate, scan your um, birth certificates, scan your passports, and do this all in colored scan. Um, scan and get your digital copies of your of your um, of your uh, passport photos, and keep that in a folder on your cell phone on your laptop, ready because you'll always need to refer to it during the process or. After the process, uh, if you need to get your uh, marriage certificate and you don't know where you put it, remember, having system is always good. Um, original documents need to be kept with you safely at all times. Even when you start the process of notarizing the documents and getting them apostilled, make sure you, after you receive the apostilled documents with the stamps, uh, keep it safe because that documents need, those documents need to go to MOFA here in UAE. So you don't want to have documents with doggy ears and uh, bent pages and all of those things. Keep them neat, keep them presentable. And yeah, um, getting your Emirates ID is the best feeling in the world. Um, you know, the joy of um, it's now done after the whole process from the beginning, all the stress that goes with it, all the heartache when you miss appointments or for us, we um, on two occasions we missed the medicals and we missed the biometrics, the fingerprint enrollment. Uh, I can tell you from experience, uh, 
do not enter any government office in Dubai where you wear in shorts. For women, I think you need to have a long dress which comes down till your feet. Uh, for men, you need to make sure that you wear a trouser or at least a trouser that's long. Um, if you wear in shorts and it does get hot in Dubai, we've experienced temperature over 40 degrees. But yeah, um, if you are entered in Dubai, I mean, if you are entered in the government offices, make sure you wear in a kurta or make sure you wear in long trousers because they won't allow you uh, entry into uh, any government office unless uh, if you wear in shorts or if you are not dressed appropriately. So always bear that in mind or carry a kurta with you if you are wearing shorts so you can just uh, dress uh, one over you when you get to the offices. And um, yeah, the PCR test, obviously, um, depending where you go, we uh, did one where we called them to our home. Uh, they were running a special in uh, during Ramadan for a uh, PCR test for 50 dirhams, which was remarkably cheap because um, the normal price range for a uh, PCR um, at the drive-through facilities were like 150 dirhams around there. And at the hospitals were, I think, 200 or 200 plus uh, for the PCRs. And that you needed to make appointments and all of those things. So the drive-through would have been ideal, but it was 150 dirhams. And um, the guys that we used were called First Response. Uh, I just Googled them and um, I read a few reviews. They were good and bad, but I chose to go with them. And yeah, the first time we did it, um, the result came back inconclusive, which was a bit odd um, because you're either COVID positive or COVID negative. Like, you know, you can't be in between. But the result that they gave us was uh, uh, one which was inconclusive. And uh, according to them, they said that uh, there was a 1% chance of uh, myself being infected with the COVID gene and I needed to come back after four or five days to do a second test. At that time, I felt that was like very fishy and um, like you, we paid 50 dirhams and now we have to go back for another test. I should have just done it, you know, at the drive-thru and paid 150 dirhams one time. But um, I think we left it. We... Uh, because we had a certain day in Ramadan and then obviously not having the PCR come back with a positive result, we waited for a few days. And the strange thing is we phoned the company to ask them, must we go into quarantine? Like, you know, are we COVID positive? And they're like, no, you're not COVID positive, nor are you COVID negative. You're just um, in between. And yeah, so that was towards the end of Ramadan. We left it. We said, oh yeah, what happened was um, um, UAE, he had a long Eid holiday, which was for around 10 days. So um, my seventh team decided that, you know what, let the uh, holiday period end. And uh, immediately after the holiday period, we did a second COVID and we got a COVID positive. And immediately what happens is there's a little app called uh, Al-Husan app. 
So your details uh, get uploaded onto this app. One thing in Dubai, everything is very digital. So from the time you start your application or when you land in Dubai and you get access to a, a cell phone, I think that's primary. You need to have a cell phone. We just got a SIM, I mean, a SIM card. We got a SIM card because it's for our business. But um, you'll need it because everywhere you go or everything you do, whether you're applying for your medicals or whether you're applying for your biometrics, they're going to ask you for a cell phone number. And the number that you give them immediately becomes a number which is linked to your profile. And this I, I didn't know. And I almost lost my number because I just took a tourist some like, you know, and I used that number and they were like, um, this number is now registered to you and all communications will be done on this number. And I was like, okay, let me just try and keep this number. So a good thing to remember is whatever number you're going to submit, whether it's in your application process for residency. Okay, we did that, but I don't think you're going to do it anymore or uh, for your biometrics or for your um, medicals. Remember, you, you, you'll you need to give a UAE number somewhere along the line. And once they capture that number is against your name with your email address that you submitted to begin your process, that's the information that uh, is captured, um, you know, on your profile. So what happens was... Um, I just downloaded a, a, a Hussein app. And remember, I didn't have an Emirates ID yet. I, I did have a residence. So with the residence, they give you, I think it's called a, U, a unified number. It's a nine-digit number that's uh, on the residency itself. So I think with that, I could, uh, they already recognize you as being a resident, but then you still need to get your Emirates ID. Um, but I don't know how they work, uh, with that number, obviously, uh, if I had to log on to the Al Husan app, immediately my PCR result would show, it would show, uh, not negative and it will show that it's lasting for a certain amount of days. And likewise, there's an app called UAE pass, which, um, you can use obviously to, uh, for everything here in Dubai, uh, once you get your Emirates ID, um, you know that's it has a barcode, a scan at the at the back. Your signature becomes a signature that you'll use to sign documents and whatever it is. So yeah, they're quite advanced with with technology and all the stuff that they do is on the apps. Even uh, when we needed to submit the documents to Morfa for uh, the stamping of the documents. Um, it was all done th through the app. I sat at the hotel. I They asked how many documents needed to be submitted. I said three. They said 150 dirhams times three plus the courier fees. And they asked you what time would, they want to, would you want them to collect it the next day? I gave a time. And by that time, they were there, they were there at the hotel. Um, the documents got collected. The documents got returned then two days later. Um, and yeah, everything is smooth. And you could track whatever was done on the MOFA um, uh, app. So each uh, thing that you need to do will need to be done through purposes of an app 
or through purposes of the website. Um, so whether you go in to book your appointment for the IC uh, for your biometrics or your medicals, you have to go on the IC. I think it's the ICP or ICA website, and um, there it will tell you your status. It will tell you your date that you booked. Uh, your name will be written in Arabic. Your surname will be written in Arabic. It's quite nice. And um, you'll be able to change your date like how we did uh, when we needed to. Um, but yeah, everything is digital. You don't have to call in and speak to anybody unless you really don't know how to do something online. But everything is so easily accessible. It's so quick to understand. And it's a it's a breeze to get things done. And in our whole application process, we, we found no difficulty getting anything done. Um, we delayed or it was sometimes out of our control. But yeah, um, you can get your things done if you're quick uh, within a few weeks. Um, and yeah, once you eventually get your Emirates ID, you'll be able to get access to everything. Uh, you'll be able to rent a car, uh, uh, or oh, well, you can rent a car, obviously, when you're a tourist. Uh, but when you do get your Emirates ID, you need to uh, do your conversion. With South African driver's license, it's quite easy. We've been told uh, we busy. Uh, oh, yeah, we did that already. So it costed uh, around 1,000 dirhams. You do the eye test and you do the, um, the conversion, and then you get your Emirates uh, driver's license. And uh, your Emirates ID, obviously, you need to keep with you. Or if you don't keep it, you download the app called the UAE Pass. And like I said, everything is done there. So whether you need to sign uh, documents digitally or uh, whether you need to get uh, anything done, your UAE Pass is the app which will allow you to, to um, you know, uh, go about doing your daily stuff. So you don't need to keep your Emirates ID with you all the time. And yeah, you'll be able to open up a bank account. You'll be able to do things, anything that you need to do in Dubai needs to be done with your Emirates ID. So before that, you'll still be uh, operating or staying uh, like a normal tourist. You won't have access to uh, the normal stuff that you can do, which will only be given to you once you have your Emirates ID. Um, and yeah, whether it is you wish to uh, renew for one year or whether you want to renew after the three-year visa, it's entirely up to you. Remember, your stay in Dubai is uh, as good as the length of your visa. So if your visa terminates, you're done. You have to go back home. If you want to extend, you have to make sure you extend timelessly. There are grace periods uh, which do come in play, especially when your uh, visa expires. We have a certain amount of days to, you know, get it renewed. So uh, they're not hard and fast uh, with, uh, like, you know, if you're 10, 10 days up, then it's done like that. But they are times when if you fall over the grace period, you do get charged considerably. Uh, um, I know that if you, for instance, on a tourist visa, 
and you want to you want a 30-day tourist visa and you want to extend for another three months um extending on a tourist visa here in dubai is extremely expensive it's about a thousand eight hundred or thousand nine hundred dirhams which is a lot um but yeah um if you're doing it in dubai it, it will cost you uh money to extend your visas and uh say for instance your 30 days are expiring and you want to apply for an extension a three-month extension you can do so uh they give you a 10-day grace period but rather make sure you do it timelessly so if you know your your visa is expiring within two days you can start the process of applying and everything gets done within four or five days maximum a week but um, you can get it done within a shorter time period also but just to be safe like you know make sure you have enough time and if you go over the 10 days grace period and every day after that you stay as an uh, illegal expat you get fined or you could get fined up to 100 uh, dirhams per day uh, so yeah just bear that in mind um, rather uh, do stuff properly and if you are sponsored sponsored in your family uh, you know you can only start the sponsorship process once you get your emirates id or once you get your um yeah your once you get your emirates id so make sure that you know they have sufficient time as well a three month or 90 day visa is ideal if we knew before that we would have got one from South Africa to start off with, the mistake we made was we took 30-day tourist visas for the Slim and the kids, and that obviously was too short, and that's how we ended up paying more for the um, 30-day for the 90-day extension. Um, and I'm sure if you did it before you came to South Africa, it would have been cheaper. I I don't know, but yeah, that's something to consider. And, um, yeah, overall, the experience was nice. Um, living in Dubai, obviously, is a challenge because it's different from what we've come to, what we're comfortable with at home. Um, people will tell you that Dubai is expensive. Uh, I can't lie and say it's not. Um, housing here in Dubai uh, is expensive. Uh, if you're going through a rental agent, most of them, if not all of them, will require you to pay a certain amount of checks up front, be it three checks, be it six checks, whatever it is. So say, for instance, you see a place in Dubai Marina for uh, 6,000 dirhams per month, 5,000 dirhams per month, or 4,000 dirhams per month. Know that if you're going to apply for that, there's several other costs that come with it. So, for instance, if you're applying for the 4,000 dirham per month rental, you're going to be paying um, the fees for the estate agent. You're going to be paying, I think, the admin fees that will be added. You're going to be paying for the uh, electricity, sewage, and all of those connections. That's separate. You're going to be paying for Wi-Fi connection, all that. That's separate. Uh, and most landlords require you to pay the rental up front 
So in Dubai, everything works upfront. There's no such thing as I'll pay you later or um, we'll pay you off or whatever it is. If you're paying for rental, it's 12 months upfront. Whether you pay three checks, four checks, whatever it is, uh, it's entirely up to you. But um, just know that if your rental for the year is 200,000 rand, it needs to be paid upfront. If it's 150,000 rand, it needs to be paid upfront. If it's 100,000 rand, it needs to be paid upfront. That's housing in Dubai. Then the second option which is available to you if you're not taking a housing lease is um, you can stay at hotel apartments. Most of the visas would require you to have a two-month or three-month um, uh, stay. Uh, so you'll need to have an existing hotel or apartment or holiday apartment or Airbnb, whatever it is, for three months in advance or two months in advance is uh, whatever your requirements are. Um, because if you are sponsoring your family and uh, intend to do this uh, visa application, uh, they will require you to, um, even if you're applying for your normal visa as an uh, individual before sponsoring, you will be required to have at least two months uh, stay uh, in Dubai. Um, so you just need to bear that in mind. You can't just rock up and say, I'll go see where to stay or whatever it is. You will need to have an address uh, because that's a address that you need to submit in your application process um, to because they'll capture it on on the application as your address in Dubai for the two months that uh, you know the initial two months and um, so just you need to bear that in mind. You need to have uh, hotel accommodation uh, when you do intend to come and sort out your whole. Uh, process for the visa um, one other thing also apart from the housing which needs to be paid upfront is um, people always ask or say uh, regarding cost of living um, you must know coming from South Africa uh, to Dubai you Many experts in South Africa or many experts living in Dubai will tell you that we don't do the conversion anymore. Um, they just take it at face value. If it's nine dirhams, they consider it as nine rand. But if your source of income is not in Dubai and if you're on a retirement visa or freelance visa or a, uh, a remote working visa or whatever visa or student visa, whatever you're on, if you're going to have that mindset to say that nine dirhams is nine rand, I can tell you, you're going to have problems with your finances because you're going to spend all your money without having a set budget. You need to do the calculations because you need to understand the cost of a specific item. And yes, the small things or small amounts uh, are... You know, um, amounts you shouldn't even convert one dirham for tea, which you know, okay, is four rand or four and a half rand. That's small amounts. But when you're buying uh, in the grocery stores, you're buying milk, for instance, and you see milk is at um, 14 rand for two, uh, 14 dirhams for two liter. You need to calculate because you need to know the cost of that bottle of milk. Uh if it's 20 dirhams for 
a gallon. A gallon is 3.8 liters. Do your math. See if in South Africa I go to pick and pay and I buy and I'm spending 28 rand for two liter. Yeah, I'm paying for almost four liters, uh, 80 rand. It is expensive. So you need to do the maths properly so that you know you can keep your budget intact. Because if you're going to uh, spend as you wish and you do get carried away when you go to shopping malls or when you go to grocery stores that you see something you like and you say, Ach, it's only 99 dirhams. But 99 dirhams is 450 rand. Is that expensive or is it cheap? You need to make sure you do the conversion so you know whether you're paying, uh, overpaying for it or you're getting it cheap. And see whether you can uh, live without it. If you if you really need it, buy it. If you don't need it, if it's going to sit in your cupboard and if it's going to be worn maybe once every few weeks or every few months, don't buy it. Um, you just need to have a budget in your head because remember, cost of living is high. Yes, if you stay in a hotel apartment or in a hotel, you don't pay for electricity, which is a good thing. Um, but you do pay uh, uh, 10 dirhams a day for tourism uh, fees. So um, whether you stay in a hotel or you stay in a lease, uh, a housing lease, if you if you are leasing your own home, remember you have to pay for electricity. You have to in summer months. With 40 degrees uh, on the outside, you're going to be keeping the aircons on on the inside. And um, you need to bear that in mind that with the AC on, your electricity fees are going to go high. Then if you're buying a, a stove, if you're having electricity, uh, a normal stovetop, electrical stovetop, every time you're on the oven, every time you're on the plates, it costs money. If you're having a gas stove, you need to replace the gas. But... Doing it in South Africa and knowing our the value of our income is one thing. Doing it in a in a country where you times in by four and a half is altogether different. So don't take things for granted. Don't uh, waste. Don't overspend. Um, and yeah, petrol in Dubai. Uh, look with whatever is going on in the world currently. Um, petrol is now at least sixteen and a half rand a liter which is still cheaper than South Africa, but I mean, it's not as cheap as what it used to be, as people would tell you in Dubai, where they were paying less than a dirham for uh, petrol, you know, a liter. So uh, everything has escalated. Um, yes, there's inflation in Dubai as well. Um, you have access to world-class facilities. You have access to everything good here, but everything costs money, whether it's, whether it's an excursion, to uh, one of the attractions, whether it's a day trip to um, a place in a taxi or wherever you go in, whether you rent a car as well, you need to understand that you will be spending money. And if it's not earned in UAE, if it's not earned in dirhams, you're going to be, you're going to be doing the conversion and you're going to be paying for it so make sure that you need to understand what your budget is i'll give you a good example of um, a chain store pizza hut i can't understand how expensive pizza hut is here in dubai um, a pizza which we normally would get 
in a pizza hut in South Africa. And I'm talking about that, um, you know, that huge boxes, that long box or whatever it is, um, that at most you pay, I think, 200 or 220 rand. Here you're paying up to 440 rand or 450 rand for the same kind of pizza. So everything is expensive. Yes, you can have shawamas for 5 dirhams or 6 dirhams uh, if you're an individual person. But how many shawamas are you going to eat in a week? You know, you need variety in your diet. You need to have a stable diet. Part of being overseas and, you know, living in a new country is ensuring that your health also is uh, in order. You don't want to neglect yourself by not having sufficient uh, food, uh, a, a good diet. And um, eating off the street is nice, but, um, you know, you can't have it every day. And um, if you are family as well, you need to eat proper meals. You need to make sure that you have rice in your diet. You need to make sure you have vegetables in your diet. Um, what we found with street food and all these local um, shops that sell uh, shawamas and chips and that, you're going to get fast food, but you're not going to get um, food that's uh, filling. No, are you going to get food that's, uh, you know, uh, that supports an adequate diet. So your best bet would be to um, cook your own food at home. And where it works best for you, especially if you're not in an apartment on a, or on a house lease, is to get a hotel apartment. Um, the hotel apartments vary in price. Um, uh, from studio apartments to two bedrooms, you can pay anything from uh, five and a half, six thousand dirhams per month to nine, ten thousand dirhams, depending where you want to go, which location, etc. And uh, that uh, would give you a kitchen at least. So you need to see what you want in terms of your accommodation, what you're looking for in terms of uh, cooking. Some hotel apartments don't offer oven. Some only offer, a, um, like you know, a stove top. Um, so there's certain things that you'll be restricted from making uh, if you don't have an oven. And if you like uh, oven stuff, you like grill stuff, uh, you might want to have an oven. You can grill fish, you can grill whatever it is. If you don't have an oven, then you're limited to only making stuff on the stove. And you need to have a whole set of different uh, ideas and recipes, um, which excludes, um, you know, food prepared in the oven. Uh, so that's something to even be conscious about when booking your accommodation to see exactly what you want as an individual, as a family, um, what your needs, how far are you from the um, uh, grocery stores. The smaller the grocery store, the more pricier it is. That's what we found. Um, you can go to the big chains. You can go to Carrefour. You can go to um, Lulu's. You can go to um, Union Co-op. There's different types of uh, grocery stores in the bigger chains that you can purchase bulk or, you know, uh, get good deals from time to time. And yeah, like how you do grocery shopping in South Africa, you can budget according to what you need per week, per month, whatever it is, and ensure that you have sufficient space. Some hotel apartments, especially studio apartments, are limited for space. You don't have access to um, storage and you won't be able to buy bigger stuff at cheaper prices if you don't have space. 
So you need to make sure that you know exactly where you go in. Try to get floor plans, try to get um, 3D images of the place before you book it, before you secure it. Don't just book a, a place for the sake of booking it because it's cheap. Um, know your location. Go on Google, see the reviews. We've done uh, or we will be doing podcasts uh, regarding uh, bookings of hotels and apartments and which platforms you can use. Um, you can give a listen to to those podcasts to help you understand and help you get an idea of how to book. And um, yeah, make sure that uh, you have a kitchen because when you stay in long term, be it uh, a year, two years, three years, you want to settle down in a place. You don't want to hop from hotel to hotel or from city to city um, because uh, that just disturbs your whole uh, routine. It disturbs your whole uh, mental uh, presence in one place and then to up and leave and go to another place. It's just not on. So um, there's all these factors that come into play. Location being primary of, of, of primary importance. How far are you from uh, the city? Do you want to be in the city? Do you like staying on outskirts? Do you like staying near residential areas? Do you like staying in residential areas? Um, those are all questions you need to ask. And yeah, once you get your your Emirates uh, uh, ID, once you've settled in, once you begin the process of sponsoring your your dependents, Everything will fall into place. Get all your documents in order. Give time to things to happen as they need to. Um, and hopefully you'll uh, come right with any application you make, be it an individual visa application or application for your family. Um, just do it the right way. Make sure you have all your documents. Keep your documents safe. And the most important thing when starting any process even if it's a passport, uh, getting your passport or um, starting your um, application, ensure that your passport is valid, ensure that it's not expiring, and ensure that you have six months of, um, you know, uh, six months left on your passport. Uh, because if it's within a six-month period, you won't get that visa. You'll have to apply for a new passport. And uh, you know the story in South Africa. It's 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 a process. If you if you got time to go to the home affairs and uh, sit there from five o'clock six o'clock in the morning, you can do that at your local home affairs. If you've got access to doing it um, at a bank, you have to pre-book a slot in advance. Um, so think properly before you apply. Check your paperwork. Check and ensure that your passport is in order. Not only yours. Check your dependents as well. Um, if you need to apply for a new passport, you need to do that. But understand that the passport takes up to four weeks or five weeks to come after it's been uh, after you've uh, applied for it in South Africa. Um, give it time. Don't rush into making an application that uh, when you're not ready, because that will just be a stressful thing on its own. And yeah, make sure that you have at least if you if your passports aren't expiring, make sure you have at least. Uh, two or three blank pages uh, on the passport because part of the traveling requirements to any country, um, especially when you're at immigration, is that you need to have sufficient blank papers in your passport uh, available. If you don't have at least two or three blank pages available, again, you're going to have problems at immigration. 
they might not even allow you entry into the country to begin with. So do all the normal travel requirements first. Once, you, once you've overcome that, get your documents in order. Once you've overcome that, um, start your application and you'll be okay. And if there's anything else that you need to know, you can always reach out to us or message us. We do not give information on how to book or which company to use. Like we said, you can Google those things. It's easily available on Google. Um, if you need to know certain things about the application itself, which Google does not explain, we'll try and assist you. But um, you need to go and do your homework properly because no one can tell you how to do something you, as an individual, need to see what's best for your family, need to see what's best within your budget, what are you applying for, do you intend living in UAE? Because part of getting a residence, and this is something that people need to understand, is that a residency requires you to spend a certain amount of time in the country. So if you're planning to get a residence permit because you think you're going to fly to UAE every month and spend a few days, that's not how residency works. Residency, by its definition, means you need to be a resident of the country. So, for instance, if you got a one-year residency on a remote visa or freelance visa or whatever it is, you need to stay at least six months in the United Arab Emirates. It will not work if you come in and out and in out thinking you'll be here two days, three days, five days, a week, two weeks, and go back home. If you don't meet the criteria of saying six months at least or 180 days per year uh, in UAE and can show that, then they'll cancel your visa. Then you're wasting your time, wasting your money, wasting everyone's um, efforts. So make sure you know what you want from your visa, why you are coming to the UAE, what purpose do you have to be here or to be in UAE in Dubai and from there, you'll be able to understand because it's not a holiday. Moving to a new place, starting a new life is something that is a change of mindset. It's a change of a uh, whole lot of things. It's not an extended tourist visa. It's not a holiday visa. It's a residence visa or residence permit. And that's what you're trying to achieve. So when you come stay here, understand that you, whatever attachment you have to home or to South Africa you need to let go of those things and start up a new life because that's what you need to do. And hopefully this will help you or hopefully you could learn something from this podcast which will make your process of applying for a visa a whole lot easier.